Welcome to the Directing Animation Livecast with Scott Weiser. In my many years as an animator and director, my most defining projects have been my short film, Layers, along with Vanishing Ink and Cirque de Solitude, two books which I wrote, illustrated, and pitched at several studios as feature films. And I have more of these feature film pitches coming soon. If I'm seeing a little bit worn down in this episode at any point, you can know that it's because of those feature film pitches coming soon. If you've seen my website, scottweiser.com, my newest blog entry is that I have seven feature film pitches coming out in 2021. Five of those are actually very high level, a lot less detailed than the pitches I've done in the past. They're pretty much five posters and five in-depth essays about the plot and the philosophical conflict, what the vision of the film is. The sixth one would be a book that is now being considered by a publisher. And I've had wonderful experiences with that and different interactions with agents and and different publishers. So I'll be talking more about that soon. And then the sixth one is actually one that I have Steamroller Studios on board to help me finance and produce. It's a musical fantasy, and I'm so excited for you to see more about that. The most common here, I think I hear when I tell people about what I'm up to, that and freelance and, and family, people say, how do you sleep? And I think that's a perfect segue to our guest now, Tom Bancroft. He's one of those people that you wonder how he sleeps. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Do I look adequately uh, tw- uh, tired to go along with what you just said? Because I think I do. I think I look that way. I don't know if you look too terribly tired, but... <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, it's really, it's only 11 o'clock my time, so it shouldn't be. But yeah, I've noticed that, and by the way, I'm posting right now, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Great. Well, I have a bit more intro to give for you. So my first exposure to Tom is probably very similar to many people who know that this was the first character design book out there in the industry, and at least the first one I could find. And it was a fantastic book. I went through it over and over again, drew everything in it. And then he came out with another book called Character Mentor. And I hopefully was one of his first purchasers because it was also a fantastic book. And he's best known on Instagram as the person who designed Mushu from Mulan. And I even think that's your handle. It's Mushimi, isn't it? That's my email. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, turned me into a Mushu. And then you've crowdfunded a studio, on WeFunder, you've raised more than $600,000 so far, which is an incredible mm-hmm. feat. Uh, both of us have done several Kickstarter campaigns. We know how difficult it is to do any Kickstarter campaigns. So that is a wonderful thing that I hope we get to talk about more and, and yeah. about whatever you can share about Pencilish Studios and what you plan on doing with that. So Happy let's to. get into it. Great to be on here with you, Scott. We've known each other, you and I, for years few years now. Yeah. And I know we met originally, I think it was CTN, right? CTN yes. Animation Expo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was back when they were in person. And then I would see you over the years at, you know, other CTNs. So I don't know how many years now that we've bumped into each other and talked briefly here and there, but nice to kind of, I mean, I go into podcast mode when I go into something like this, because yeah, I yeah. want to talk about me or I want to get into whatever I'm doing and all those. And so I am excited for your questions, but uh, you know, I want to interview you too, just as much and see what you're doing. But uh, I guess we could do a discussion and, and that, that yeah. would be great. First thing you, I think you were asking about was pencilish. I guess I'll jump in and act like that was a question. <laughs> so, it is a question. It is. Good. Okay, good. <laughs> Tell um, us all about it. It is really unusual. I'm excited about it because I was working toward this for 30 years and I didn't know it because, and I'm a believer, I believe in, uh, a God above. And I feel like I'm being led at times and I do seek that leading through prayer. So I kind of try to, 
uh, in the last few years, especially in the last maybe 20 years, I've tried to kind of strip away this idea of coincidence. <laughs> and once I do that, I can start seeing some direction in my life, right? Okay, yeah. so I'm going to not pr preach. I promise I'm not preaching uh, <laughs> through this whole interview. But why I say that is to kind of load this up to say that over the last 30 years, I've done a lot of different things and probably been, I don't know, 20 years since I've been at Disney. And so in the last whatever, 20 years, I've started another company uh, with a partner of mine. We did development artwork for films and TV and, and uh, lots of you know children's books and things like that. Yeah. I've really, and comic books. And so I've touched pretty much any kind of kids media you can think of, even, even after the Disney days that were another, say, 12 years uh, there. So I've done a lot and done different styles and all these things. And so I did that to, one, pay the bills, but two, because I also love trying other styles. I love the little Tom Bancroft when I was a boy. He <laughs> dreamed of doing comics. He dreamed of doing a comic strip. He dreamed of being in animation, TV, or feature film. And now yeah. I've done all those. And, and some dreams I never even thought of, which was like publishing those books that you just showed. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't even know I wanted to do that back then. But I had this sort of internal bucket list and I've really checked up all, off a lot of them. But while doing that, I also build a social media presence and right. one one that I don't deserve. I will say this because, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm over 50. Like, why would anybody care about me still? Right. But <laughs> what it is was I didn't know while I was doing all these sort of side things, you know, publishing a couple books. And now I'm a professor from the university in, in Nashville, mm -hmm. but also the Disney days and what I did there. Oh yeah. I'm also producing a, a, an animation documentary right now. On, yes. Oh, I didn't even mention 2D animation. Yeah. yeah. It's called pencil test. You yeah. can go to penciltestmovie.com and see the trailer. And we're in the final days of that. But what ended up happening was people kind of came to me from different directions. Oh, and I worked on VeggieTales. So like oh, yeah, there's yeah. that group too, that kind of comes to me or finds me because that was their love, their childhood love or whatever. What it ended up doing was I started building. Oh, and then by the way, I also, <laughs> I also <laughs> created a, a drawing challenge about uh, six years ago called Mermaid. Yeah, and Mermaid. So yeah, because of that, there was another, now I have Mermaid fans <laughs> that kind of discover <laughs> me or find me uh, being on TikTok or on Instagram or Twitter. So because I have all of those, I had all these sort of side interests and some of them are accidental <laughs> that kind of happened. I, I got this army and that's what I call my social media following is, and I look at it as a positive. I hope nobody thinks of that as a negative. To me, that army are people that like the things I like. They don't, some of them just like me and the things I'm doing. I get that. And that's wonderful, of course, but they also like the things I like. That's how I pick who I follow, right? They're artists that I love their work. And they right. also share about what they're doing and how they do it. And and I, I do a little bit of all those things. And they also follow other people that I like, you know. So to me, that's what I love about social media. And so I, about maybe 10 years ago or something, I started really kind of push, you know, making sure that I, I fed that. I made that sort of a part-time job is my so yeah. social media. It's got and to be. <laughs> it really does. I mean, to get a following. But fortunately, I had all these other things I was doing. And even during those 10 years, doing more things and going, oh, and, and check this out. And what do you think of this? Or And showing development artwork and hopefully doing the drawings, the fan drawings that I just love doing anyway. I'll draw a mm -hmm. Marvel character and people like seeing that. So again, I, it just grows. And so then a friend of mine comes up and he says, oh, and then by the way, so I'm going to back up again. Now here's phase two. 
Phase two is at age 48, which was about four years ago. This is a long answer. Sorry. About, oh, it's great. <laughs> four, about four years ago, I hit 48 and I saw 50 coming and I was like, oh, wait a second. At 50, you can't <laughs> say you're not old, right? Like to me, that was the line. And yeah. some people will say, and now that I'm 50, I'm like, no, 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 I'm not old. You know, I'm 53 now. So this was a few years ago. And when I hit that 48, I went, wow, this is the year that I need to stop. It, it hit me. And, and again, I think this was a God thing. It really mm -hmm. hit me yeah. that I was like, what am I waiting for to develop all these side TV series and feature film ideas that I have in a drawer, right? We all have those as creators. And I'm yeah. like, what? Well, I've done all of these things. I've done all everything else on my bucket list, basically. What am I waiting for, you know? And earning money to support my family. And that was pretty darn important, right? For many of those years. Mm -hmm. But I was at the point and I couldn't give that up completely, but I was at the point where I'm like, I have to double down. I'm going to have to put more time in and find that extra time to start developing my own projects. And I started <laughs> that at age 48. And I worked with a, a co-writer friend of mine. We developed a bunch of pitches, six or eight TV series. We, we <laughs> helped wrote scripts for two or three feature films. And then it became, and that was about two years worth of work. And then, and then it came time around 50 or so I was like, well, I, I need to go out there now. I'm, I'm tired of just developing, you know, now yeah. I have a bunch of stuff. I should go out there and pitch this stuff. And I did. I did a small version of that. I pitched to Disney <laughs> and Warner Brothers on a on a couple of the projects. And it was really disheartening. And that was the second time <laughs> yeah. I, that. I, I had done yeah. that a good 10 or so years before this for yeah. another batch of, of shows and things like that. And I went around California and hit all the studios and had an agent that was showing me around to these places and we'd pitch. And every time it's like, oh, I love that idea. But we have that in development uh, or one like it in development. We have our, like I pitched a show about a uh, an internet dog this last time around and they were like, well, we have our dog show already. I'm sorry. You know, and yeah. they're like, well, well, what's it about? Is it really, is it for people? Well, this was different. <laughs> yeah, I'm tr you're trying to, and they really just kind of go, no, we, we got, we're already down that road. We're putting money into that. So uh, yeah. do you have anything else? And I'm just like, well, we do. And, but I have a feeling you have something like that too. I mean, you have your alien thing, you have your cowboy thing. I, <laughs> who knows what it is? Your, your romance for ages six to eight. I don't, who knows? But, uh, <laughs> Ponyo. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So but, what it is, is they, they're so focused and one, you don't know what they want, right? Until you yeah. actually sit there and pitch what they don't want. And they won't tell you what they want ahead of time because they want you to be you and be unique and bring in something we've never seen before that's fresh and blah, blah, blah. Oh, but by the way, can you copy the last Pixar movie? Because that was really successful and that's where we're going. <laughs> I mean, it makes no sense. And so, Oh, yeah. It's, it's complete chaos. <laughs> So, I, I, yes, I was getting older, but I also started realizing, well, wait a second, I need to just make this stuff because that mm -hmm. is, and this is to the audience that's listening right now. We live in a world right now, uh, this is a little dirty secret that we st not everybody still knows, which is the studios and all that, they don't know what they want. They, they are more confused than they've ever been because things are changing so fastly with social mm -hmm. media and all that, oh, yeah. right? The TikTok oh, yeah. generation is just every day there's a new thing that's popular or interesting or whatever. And so they don't know how to feed that because also they're older like me, I guess. Um, <laughs> 
And, but also they're not looking in the right directions. They're not looking at where the crowd is going, or at least they are, but they're two steps behind. That makes them sort of super cautious because they don't know. And then COVID, you throw in COVID and now they're, they're just so cautious and scared and all that. And they don't want to admit it, but they're basically cruise ships. So here's my analogy. I really think of the conglomerates and we're talking about Disney slash Pixar. We're talking about DreamWorks. We're talking about you yeah. know all the Warner Brothers, all the big ones. And, and if you'll notice all the remakes that are getting made, Made. This is proving this out. They are cruise ships. They're huge ships that are going through. And, and when there's an, there's an iceberg in front of them, they have two choices to destroy it, which is going through it or to acquire it. Right. <laughs> and, and so destroy, they're pretty good at, and they'll do it by putting out something exactly like that other thing or whatever, but now it's bigger and they have the marketing arm to, to be able to destroy that other idea. Acquire isn't terrible for both companies, probably, and that, but that's their biggest bet, right? Is if that little yeah. boat. So I'm that speedboat, right? So Pencilish Animation Studios, the idea behind it is we're a speedboat. We mm-hmm. are going to create things that are in the world right now. That we, we we're, we're going to try and see where people are going and where what is popular, but also what we love too. So again, yeah. like my social media. I'm not trying to pretend I'm somebody else. I, if I do yeah. a drawing of the Hulk because I just love Marvel comics and I'm even at my age, I want to geek out and do a Hulk drawing. I'm going to post that. And yeah. there's a whole group out there that are going to love that, right? Because that's what yeah. they love. And so we know, you know, the geek culture, if you're in it, you know what people like. And there's some areas of it that I don't want to go into. There's some things that I'm less interested in. And some of it maybe I'll feed if it's not at least, you know, distasteful to me and i'll have creators too that are going to come to me and go i have this great pitch and uh, this idea and and it may be radically different than what i would think of and and actually mm-hmm. i embrace that i want that i don't yeah. want it to be all pencilish to be tom bancroft i want it to be maybe a little bit of me but if it feels like it's its own thing that's the best thing in the world and that own thing by the way is going to have tons of variety because it's mm-hmm. going to be about the creators that are creating and yes it could be me um, I'm hoping that one of those things we launch with will be one of my projects. Yeah. Um, because that was what I kind of, and it's funny because I have the final say, but I'm saying I hope. <laughs> because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm now the the owner too. And so I have to think like a CEO too. And you do, yeah, yeah. Last tier to this, and which is the crowdfunding. So I was building an army that I didn't even know why I was building it. And so when a friend of mine came to me and said, hey, there's new, this new thing called Re- Regulation CF, and it wasn't that new. It's been around for about six years or so. Yeah. But he said, you know, he had just uh, started a company with another partner and, and it was successful and kind of explained it like, well, it's like Kickstarter, but it's like on steroids, right? You can get much more money and it's to build a company, not a project, right? That's the biggest difference. Oh, and by the way, the people that are investing in you, it is really investing they get stock in your company. So now yeah. they're your partners in what you're building. And to me, I was like, wait a second, that's beautiful. I, I want to do this with people that care about not just me, but the idea and creating animation and are passionate toward that. So yeah, that's like the perfect fit. And now I get this crowd that maybe is a, is an offset of my Instagram or, or whatever that are already part of that. But but hopefully other people too, new investors that didn't know me from Instagram or something that just get it, get the idea. Like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. I want to be a part of one of the first startup animation studios ever 
that you can now be a part of at the startup phase. Like yeah. you couldn't do that when Walt started Disney, right? You couldn't do that yeah. when DreamWorks popped up. You had to be a multimillionaire to be able to invest into a start into a startup. Now this mm-hmm. is the very first time somebody could come along, create an animation studio that is really, by the way, it's not just an animation studio. We are we are a small animation entertainment company. We're going to be creating entertainment. That's a big thing, and that's really where we're headed. Um, but we're going to start with product. So yeah, that's my long story of what yeah. kind of is, and a little bit of where it came from, and kind of all the sort of everything kind of converged to make me go, "This is it. This is the thing I've been waiting thirty years for." This is great. It's great, and it actually resonates a lot with me. There's several things that resemble uh, things I've been going through. Um, yeah. We talk about divine guidance, like. I tried to have you on the show back when you were doing two D, the pencil yeah. test yes. short or yeah. documentary. It's much better timing now because this is very in line, like building all these pitches and trying to get them off the ground and trying to do it in a more independent way. Really loved that, that analysis. We had a, an audience member ask, does that mean that Pencilist will pump out content faster than the big guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and that's actually, I'll, I'll go for that. Hi, Seth. Uh, that, that is a good answer uh, or a good question. And my answer is yes. I do believe, again, back to the where the speedboat, the biggest problem that would go in, and I know many investors would say this, that aren't just dreamers and lovers of animation, but they're real investors, like the people that maybe don't even love animation, but see this as, well, wait, this has potential of actually making money and blah, blah, blah. I'm looking mm-hmm. at from with those eyes, a businessman's mm-hmm. eyes. Yeah. Is there like, okay, but when is the return on investment? Now, one, with any startup, it's a long-term investment. I want to make that very clear. You're not, this is not a quick return ROI, right? Return on investment. And so you have to know that. You have to know that if I invest in any startup, not just mine, anyone, you're not going to get a return on investment in two years, right? It's going to be no. five, 10 years tops. I mean, yeah. a best case scenario, right? You're, you're in it for a little bit more of a long run, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when you're talking about a small entertainment company, that ROI could even be further out. Because if I said, I'm going to start my company by making a, the first, you know, a 2D animated feature film, which by the mm-hmm. way, yes, many people want, I want it too. I, and I have that project in my drawer. I've been developing it for years. I want to <laughs> make that. But if I said, if I didn't think like a businessman and I said, okay, that's what we're doing. I mean, anybody that knows anything about 2D and and just, well, animated feature films is that the minimum that I would even be able to do anything of semi-quality, wouldn't even be the quality you probably want, would be about 5 to $10 million, right? And five, I, you hope. Minimum, that is yeah. tight. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I want to say more like 10, right? Like you don't yeah. see the fives either. And the, the 10 million films rarely pop up, okay? Usually they're done abroad too they're not done here in the u.s mm-hmm. so to do it anything where it's based in the u.s for 10 million dollars it just doesn't exist you know like that's years of going back and raising funds years of that to get to even get that 10 million and now i put all that money into one thing right that one dream yeah. project which feature films don't get done in two days so you know <laughs> two to three to four <laughs> years away before that release of that feature film right to, yeah uh, yeah exactly get it done it makes no sense. And so I devised a plan th- for Pencilish that we weren't going to do a feature film right off the bat. I hope to do that one day, and it is down the road. Yeah. But my goal is to launch with animated series. So t- more like TV-style uh, animated series, but they're short form. 
So they're all going to be about three to five minutes long. We're going to launch oh. on, on YouTube where, where everybody already is on the Pencil yeah. channel. And we're going to create, hopefully, my goal is about three for launch, three different series. Again, like there, and a series to me is about 10 episodes. So we may launch with more like half of that. So five episodes each of each uh, mm -hmm. series. And then market those, by the way. Here's another thing that nobody does is they don't save money to market what they put out. Right. <laughs> Especially on YouTube, right? And mm -hmm. so that's for the big boys. Like they'll put in twice what they spent to market. We're going to trim down the, the budgets. We're going to do them very tight. And we are going to put out some really hopefully interesting and fun ideas that people would not normally see at the big boys, right? Yeah. I'm not wow. going to say they're radically different. I'm not going to say it's rated X, you know, TV series or anything like that, <laughs> but they're fun. Some might be by me, like I said, but some are going to be by other creators that we're in talks with right now. And we are, we're in talks with like seven to eight different creators right now about other potential things, all really different. And, yeah. and by the way, the other thing, I know I'm going on forever. I'm just excited. Sorry. I'll other, be excited. This is great. Well, the other thing is, is that that's a big flaw in Hollywood that I've seen. And it, not all of it's ridiculous. So I'm not going to say that is the age demographics is like the very first question when you sit down to pitch to Disney or whatever, and it better be on that front page right next to the title or just under it is what age group is this for? Because right. that's the first thing that development person is thinking beyond the idea, beyond everything is like, okay, does it fit within the age demographic that I'm in charge of one, but also two, because otherwise I can't even, I don't even want to listen to it. If you're not, I'm doing preschool. If you're not pitching preschool, I don't want to hear it. Right. I don't want to be that studio where I have to be so chained to that. And I don't want my development people and the people that are creators to be pitching projects and only be thinking that, yes, you do have to think about it. I'm not saying you can't, you just oh make whatever you want and they can say whatever they want and they can dress whatever however they want you know what i mean there yeah. are more adult themes that are more mature and they should be you know tailored that way but i think that we have these like now it's in hollywood it's like is it a six to eleven is Do you it put it one? in this box it goes it's, in that box the boxes are so structured the internet okay. is not in those boxes the boxes no. are not that strong and so we have a whole generation coming up right now that don't believe in those boxes. Yeah. Somewhat, they, they want a little bit because there's safety. There's a little safety that we have to have. The internet is is scary too. And we all know that. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. some of those, some of those lines, some of those rules, some of those boxes are good. And there's some yeah. some things you don't want to cross, like limits and things like that. But to open it up and widen that a little bit does make sense. And say, yeah. That, and, and by the way, there's a safe side of that, which is like my kids, when they were getting a little bit older, were still watching shows with some of their younger sisters, right? Right. And, and they they didn't want to tell their friends because it wasn't cool that that they kind of liked some of the Wiggles songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's throwing them under the bus. They didn't want to admit that. <laughs> they didn't want to admit that. But yeah. they were okay with kind of watching it. And that's not a good example because Wiggles will Yeah, I think an excellent example is Avatar. Avatar was the top, one of the top series of last year, and it was made so many years ago. And the way my family was introduced to Avatar is it popped up on Netflix. Becca and I started watching it. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised when she was the one recommending that we keep watching it. <laughs> wow. And then I asked for it for Christmas. And my kids have watched that thing nonstop. Mm. Every single age of my kids. All the way from eleven down to two, and yeah, and they're entertained and, by it, and, and adults are entertained, entertained by it. And and your as parents of those kids, 
you're you've seen it and you're like, oh, and there's not really anything here that I won't let my younger child see. There might right. be a little bit of intense, you know, fighting, right? Yeah. But, but which we held like, the youngest for, you know, yeah. and comforted yeah. her and said it's gonna be okay, you know. Yeah, they'll be right. fine. They'll right. get and out of that's, it. And that's parenting, right? Yeah, yeah. So so helping them through it and watching it, watching it with them. So Yes, I, I really feel strongly that, and, and some of this, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say, I'm making a lot of things up as I go, and some yeah. of this could blow up on me. I and somebody will bring this up that you said, you know, that we yeah. what, we do whatever. Well, no, I'm not saying that, but but I am saying I can see where things are going, and not all of it is bad, right? A right, lot of yeah. this this generation, which my kids are all that generation, they're all college or above. <laughs> you guys, you're not all bad. <laughs> and so Good thing too. I, 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 yeah, I want to make content that uh, and I like to watch a lot of the content that's popular with this generation. And so I'm not so old that I, I don't get it, you know. So I want to make some of that content that isn't really being made or that there's still holes and, and gaps, I think. There's uh, a lot. There are a lot of holes and gaps. Made. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so somebody has a, a question about being a director. I don't know if I, the person's name is Yogi. I'm not sure if I completely understand the question, mm. um, but I, I can translate it into a question that I'd like to ask you. Okay. In, in several of your, your projects, you have actually worked as a director. How would you summarize your vision as a director? And what do you think is important for a director to know Especially um, when when working with various levels of artists. Yeah, and that's a great. Uh, I haven't directed a feature film, but I've done a lot of TV yeah. animation, so uh, that's kind of my has been my sweet spot. I, and, and then I've had a lot of smaller projects that I've directed. Some of them were pitches that never got out, sizzle reels, things like that, and those are still short form content. I really believe strongly in, and this is something they say, you know, whether or not it's true, uh, something they say Walt was good at was that he would hire good people and he would listen to them, right? He'd let them do their job. And you saw that at Pixar during the sweet years, right? Especially in that, the, when they were first starting. And I, mm -hmm. I really believe in creators. I, I mean, I am yeah. one of them. So yeah. it's hard sometimes for me to be a CEO and also a creator because I fight for the people I'm making a deal with, you know? And so I don't want to screw anybody and all that. But, but my love for creators and for artists and for the ones that especially I entrust that I hire and go, okay, you're the person that's going to do layout. You're the person that's going to be the head of story. You're the person, you know, that's going to be our, our supervising animator. Those people, I want them to feel like their their little kingdom that they're in kind of in control of. If they're that sort of department head, I really want them to empower them to go. It's all me making this this little. Now he they know he or she knows that it's not really. I can veto you know what they feel like uh, yeah. you know in that moment, but I want them to feel that way. And if they feel that way, because I saw this at Disney, that they are sort of have some control over their part of the film and yeah, that, that empowerment. Oh, my gosh. They they'll yeah. go crazy about it and, and get down to the m most minor detail and be passionate about it. And if yeah. they're passionate, they're bringing their best. And if, yeah, not, yeah. if you as a director are not getting people passionate about their part of the film and the big picture, of course, of the film, ultimately, then you're just going to, you're going to have holes, right? The idea right. at Disney was, it was called plussing. And there was this concept called plussing. And I don't know where it came from. It's back to the nine old men, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, but we would hear this term, which was 
as a scene or shot goes goes you know through the process from storyboarding to to layout to background painting to animation and every shot has to go through that process every desk it goes onto it should get better you should plus it and mm-hmm. so we, we had that mentality of you know just blah, 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 okay there's my thing and now it's on to the next thing you got to go okay look at it and go is there anything here i need to bring to this i'm not just scene checking it i'm not whatever I'm adding something to it. Am I plussing this scene? And and if you do that, if everybody in that organization thinks that way, and that comes from the director, not only giving them the power to do that, uh, but also, you know, encouraging that. Like, you know, I want you to maybe make a change to this shot. Now, yes, contact me. Let me know. But I want you to think yeah. like that, that you have that ability to add something to it. You're not right. just doing your job, whatever. And some people are adders and some people are just, just organizers, but Mm -hmm. everybody can be an adder. Right. And if everybody feels that way, or at least that they have that ability, it may not be every shot. It may not be every shot that I have to add a little something to it, but you should be plussing it. You should be at least going, Oh yeah, everything is here. Everything. My job is just to make sure everything is, is there. I'm compositing say, or whatever. And I don't have to look, but, I have a feeling there's going to be one point where somebody did something wrong or something down the road. And now your plus is just, Oh, I caught it and I'm fixed it. You know? Oh, okay. So that's interesting. That's cool. And I actually realized I botched Yogi's question because I only saw half the question. He actually posted two different. Okay. But you answered it. He he said, how do you stay fresh as a director? And the things you listed were, you know, ignite passion and give trust to the different people that you hire. You know, the the various people that you're bumping up against, that's what keeps you fresh, you know? Yeah. And and you want people who are really good and and good at something maybe that you're not good at. And then the idea of plussing. And I, you know, I worked for a company where a lot of the clients left disappointed because of different things that we were doing for the clients. And when I set out on my own, my goal was like, I'm going to put some surprise in every project I do. Amen. And it would be me looking at the project and saying, okay, what can I add? Yeah. You know, what, what, what surprising thing can I add that just makes this extra good? And then I would, call, like you said, call the director of the yeah. project and say, I'm really thinking this would be cool. Yeah. And then testing the idea. Yeah. And then even pushing a little bit further than what, mm-hmm. than what I initially said. Like, how can I add that same thing like here and here and here? And generally, you know, those clients come back. So, <laughs> and that's, it's such a good point because, you know, even now, me starting my own company, I'm not really the boss. You're never the boss. There's always someone that is in charge of you to some degree. And yeah. what I mean by that is, in this huh. case, I have shareholders, right? And now right. I'm, I'm kind of indebted to them, or at least I view it that way, because they've trusted mm-hmm. their money in my hands to be able to do something, hopefully add to that money, right? And so I have to make decisions thinking about those shareholders, right? And so does that really make me the boss? Yeah, I'm the boss to some degree, but I'm not, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I'm still beholden to someone, okay? We never ever are not beholden to someone. And so I have a mantra that I've kind of uh, created in my life. And that is, you know, when somebody asks for something like a director or a client, I don't give them what they they ask for. I give them what they want, okay? (laughs) And there's a difference between those two things. There is a difference. Every client Mm -hmm. thinks they want this and they say that, but really what they're saying is I want this and it's might be a bigger picture than they even imagined. So how many clients come to you and say, Oh, this is this hot style over here. I want a comic book in that style. 
And here's all the samples from that artist over there. I can't afford that artist or they're doing something else, but here, can you copy that style and do this thing? Okay, I see that's what you want, but what you really want is not necessarily even that style. What you really want is a hit comic, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, you're trying yeah. to copy that hit comic. Well, what you really want is a hit comic. Yeah. Let's back up and talk about your story. Let's back up and, and not, not even go down style and all that, because that's probably not what you really, you're asking for it, but that's probably not what really is the thing that you're grabbing for, that, that you want. Yeah, right. It's the bigger picture of a hit comic, right? So yeah. let's talk about, do we have the story that's going to make a hit comic? Do we have the character designs that's going to make a hit comic? Are these appealing characters? And maybe that style is right. Who knows? And we ape yeah. it. That's not a bad, you know, but maybe it's not. Maybe there's a better way to go. And so let's talk about that. And again, that goes back to the big companies. Many of the people that are making the decisions don't understand what the big question is. They mm -hmm. still, even at the top, top studios, they're not looking at the big question, which is how do we make this thing a hit, right? How do we make people yeah. love this thing? They're going, oh, let's take a piece of that and a piece of this successful story and a piece of that. And here's some Beauty and the Beast and here's some Pixar and put it all together. And I bet we'll have a hit, right? Yeah. That's not a And if not, it was the wrong combination of things. So yeah, we'll try again, yeah. you know? <laughs> and really it comes down to team. I, I, I believe so strongly in team as, yeah. as being, you know, there's idea, of course. And this is, you know, how you make something successful. It's, it's idea, it's team. And then maybe third is money. <laughs> right because we do know that that'll that'll also make it go from a to b right and or whatever's the next level so money is part of that Sadly. to say to say that it wasn't no those yeah. projects that's you can say because and here's what it is <laughs> i mean i feel strongly that the everybody goes well what's the difference between an independent animation studio and disney and really, now it is staff, right? They're paying more. They're getting the better people. They have the brand, the name, and everything that all the best artists want to work there. So, And the projects, of course, that's a big one that's getting those, those creators is the projects are usually better. They have more successes, and they pay better, right? So that's a lot, right, when you're talking compared to this small independent studio. <laughs> but really, what comes with that is, again, it's still that money, right? So that, that big amount of money what makes the biggest difference between Disney and that independent studio, because you could still have great artists at that independent studio. You could have great art. Nobody owns great ideas, right? Anybody can come oh. up with those. But the money <laughs> makes a difference. And how it makes the biggest difference isn't even the crew. It's that Disney can scrap something if they're going the wrong direction. And even like millions of dollars already invested. I've seen them do it, by the way. Lion King is one yeah. of those movies. Beauty and the Beast was yeah. that movie where they scrapped half the film halfway into production and started over practically, right? Actually, mm -hmm. that's happened more times than not in a lot of the yeah. successful films. It and the independent been. studio won't do that. They will go, oh, no, no, we're too vested in this. We have no more money. We have to keep going. That's a scary hurdle. You know, I'll admit it, you know. is Oh, very scary. That's what I've been facing so long. Is there an answer? That's why I did the five pitches at once, so that right. I could develop those muscles, so that when yeah. I'm doing this one film, you know, at least I have all these tools to say, okay, here's how we adjust before right. we're spending too much money, you know? <laughs> yes. Here's if how we make can... it good before we're out the gate, you know? So you, there's gotta be that, that in the, in the independent side too, you gotta have, be careful and 
obviously do a lot of upfront planning and just going, do we really feel strongly about this story? Right. Let's not jump in too fast into animation where we start spending more money. Right. Let's really make sure that's working and take that extra little moment. I'm by the way, I'm trying to remind myself of that right now. Uh, and then when we do jump in, if there's a moment where we go, should early on, hopefully not too far in, right? You got to make it sooner rather than later. What if we added this one character right here and now it's a little bit more of a buddy picture, right? Whoa, that's a big change. That's going to change this, 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 this. Can we afford it? Let's see if we can, but let's, you know, if you do it early enough, I mean, it's just like getting sick, right? If you catch it mm -hmm. early enough, oh, yeah, you can maybe, <laughs> maybe kind of stop something bad from happening, which is making yeah. it home. Right. That's a lot of we all don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Well, we're at the stage of the show that we about have five minutes left. Oh. And I usually ask the question that we call the get wiser moment. I'm excited to hear your answer. I've had conversations with you before, and I hear this on your show often, this kind of a discussion is that if my goal in a story is to the, get the highest concentration, the highest purity of truth into my story, what approach would, what approach would you recommend? Well, that's a hard one. <laughs> Everybody answers this question. Is that how that works? Um, at first, it used to be what is a filmmaker's responsibility to society, and everybody's like, "Tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth." You know, there's kind uh, of some some variation. I would of have that said, answer. "Make money." <laughs> no. <laughs> so, okay, so your new question is, how do you stay true to your? Parents? How do you get the highest purity of truth into a story? What, what's the best words. approach? Mm -hmm. Dang, that's deep. I'm, I don't know if I'm deep <laughs> enough to answer this question. <sighs> Which is why I keep answer, asking the question. Yeah. It's, okay. But yeah. I, I mean, I have an answer and I think, okay. Great. I think it's my answer. I, I don't see how you could do that without it being kind of, well, one being your truth, right? Like we live in a world today that where everybody's like, well, that's your truth. My truth is this, you know? Oh, and, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, that we kind of are even questioning what is truth, right? Yes. And because, you know, how you feel about something and how I feel about something could be different and both are acceptable. And if both are acceptable, then we both have our own truths in that scenario, right? And th that is true to some degree, right? I, I think that can be true, right? Mm -hmm. I, wouldn't, I don't think truth is the right word for it at that point. It's more opinion. <laughs> your your um, opinion or your idea of how things yeah, work. Yeah, right. But yeah. truth is a deeper thing than that, right? It it's is. A, it's yeah. a bigger, deeper thing that I do think, in a, and in that scenario of it being a truth, there might be a, a yes and a no to it. There might be a black and a white to it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we always say murder, right? Like, okay. We, yeah, that's we an obvious. Agree. <laughs> we shouldn't murder people, right? Okay. Yeah. So that's a truth, right? That's a firm foundational truth. In a lighter, you know, version of this, which is making a feature film and just having a sort of passionate standpoint, I guess you could say, which I guess we're calling truth in this scenario, that has to come from you, right? So to me, what is your truth? And that means when I say it in this context, it, I'm talking about it being something that you've felt before, something that mm -hmm. you've gone through potentially even, mm -hmm. or at least have been a part of your life that you can understand fully. And I go, always go back to Pete Doctor. I mean, he, Pete Doctor makes those films. We interviewed him right after Soul. And, Listened uh, to it, loved it. Yeah, awesome, yeah. awesome guy. And, and uh, it was a great podcast with him. What he was talking about was, and that's the hard part, is that that film evolved, right? It became... Yeah different characters. It was about this other thing before and all that. Right. How do you hold on to that truth 
that that really and to me that that's there's got to be a deal breaker right there's got to be a point where you're like okay if we make this change it's a different movie than we set out to do that anchor that was that truth that was that passionate part for me with that character is now gone yeah and, and that at disney there's been many times where that's when the directors step away and either get let go or they quit and somebody else takes over the film and yeah. they make they make that film right that new film um, that new film yeah that may have some of the same character names and some of the same character designs, but it's another film. If it is one of those films, and again, I think everything Pete Doctor does is those films. Yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> everything he does has that heart. He's either got to find a new truth and transfer it. Like, okay, we're not making that thing. It's not about this guy now anymore. Now he's this. And what he's really going for is this thing. Yeah. And a guy like Pete has enough of those, those heartfelt things in him that he'll go, okay, I can switch to that. Oh, now it's about not about my son and what we went through earlier, whatever, in year, when he was five. Oh, now it's about me and my daughter and our relationship. Oh, yeah. right. And the troubles she had when she was about, you know what I mean? Like he's going to make his own personal tag on that. And yeah. he, he probably could switch is what I'm saying and make that second. <laughs> yeah, he that could, film. which is really cool. And it seems, yeah. it seems to me that he's always like, there's something more true here. And I think it takes a lot of humility to do that. It's funny because my sister-in-law gave me the art of soul for my birthday. And she said, mm -hmm. you know, my favorite Pixar films are Soul, Inside Out, and Monsters, Inc. And I said, you know, or Up, Up was yeah, it. Up, oh, for um, sure. Uh, he sh and I was like, you know, you just listed Pete Doctor's last three films. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I must love Pete Doctor. Then I said, yeah, he has a good compass for truth. And that yeah. was my uh, my answer to her. And I think that's that's important. You have to develop a good compass for truth. And sometimes that involves saying, wait, this is what I thought was the truth. Mm -hmm. But it seems like there's more truth in this direction. I need to be willing to go down that road and explore it. So hard to do. and It is you know, so hard to do. That really <laughs> is the difference. It. And if there's one thing that you could point to a director and say, that's what made this person really good and a really good director in this film. And by the way, it's it's not an every time thing, right? Like we'll see yeah, yeah. Pete. Pete will mess up, right? It'll happen. Yeah, yeah. It will. And we, we don't have to, we can't put him on such a throne like that. But he is good. And he looks for that. Like, because that's the thing that he cares about, it, it'll be the thing hopefully he won't lose track of in that film mm -hmm. and even yeah. as it turns a, a, in a different direction because it either needs to or wh whoever knows why that reasons happen but that character starts developing and he develops and takes a u-turn if he can stay with that by going oh okay wait now i see it's no it was about this all along and guess what that still rings true to me i feel that i've either con i've felt that before I get how that'll speak to the audience even even stronger. Yeah. Right? Well, there are actually some people I've talked to in private conversations and stuff that they feel certain Pete Doctor films are his miss, right? Yeah. But you and, still will find an audience with most of his films that that really loved it and just and, and I'll, I'll I'll dig a little deeper. I want to I want to tell a mini story, which is we had on our podcast a few years ago now, and mm -hmm. it was an amazing podcast. I hope everybody will go back and listen to it. We had Brad Bird. Uh, and it was one okay. of the biggest gets we've ever had. So we got Brad yeah. Bird, and it was on the eve of Tomorrowland coming out. So not an animated film, live action mm. film. Yeah. And he had done a successful live action film. He'd done the um, Mission Impossible movie. that Three. Was, yeah. Uh, three that was really good. But now it, it was Tomorrowland, and literally it was about to come out the very next day, I think, when we interviewed him, or, or in, a few, <laughs> in a few days. Yeah. And he dropped it as it came out. He was nervous. 
Like uh, you could tell <laughs> he had no idea if this was going to be a hit or not, how people were going to. And we asked him to pitch the, the, and this is the first time this has ever happened. And it was, it really was a very telling moment was we asked him, so, so pitch us, what is Tomorrowland about? You know, what is sort of the pitch? And he paused and he said, and he's burned out. He just finished editing it. Like he should know this film better than anybody at this point. He goes, I can't even answer that. He was being super honest. And he was just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. In one way it's this. And in one way it's this. And uh, if there was anything more telling I've ever heard a director say in that moment of it about to come out and that sort of that feeling of, I don't know if we made a hit or, di or we didn't or people are going to get it. He told us sort of what it used to be and what he thought it was. <sighs> and now it was, I don't know. It's a, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but he was being very honest. It was extremely telling because then literally that weekend it came out and everybody felt kind of the same way he did at that moment, which was, mm -hmm. I what don't was really know what this is and what, what is it really saying? You know, at the end, the whole ending was sort of like, wait, did we just turn it around completely to where everything we were fighting for is now the opposite? And, you know, and, and you kind of left the theater kind of going, I don't know. There were some really great parts. There were some really nice yeah. parts in that movie. You should go back and see it. I'd like to see it again, actually. I uh, have watched it multiple times, yeah. Because I saw potential. I saw but, this, this core of great potential, oh, and I know Brad yeah. is an amazing director, and he has cool vision. Yeah. And so it's like, it's fun to go dissect those movies and say, what went wrong? Because I have, I have, again, some friends who will defend that project to the death. Yeah. <laughs> like, this no, is a some people that, it's amazing. that love it. Yeah, it's a very, and yeah. I will say it's an underrated movie. It is. Because it got that bad is... press right off the bat, and a lot of people yeah. just didn't go see it and all that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, go see it. And believe go me, you'll get something out of it, and some people are going to just love it, right? Yeah. But there's other people, and I'm one of them, unfortunately, that kind of went, Ooh, what the, I don't know what happened here, but it's not, it didn't wind up the way it felt like it should have. I don't know to me. So anyway, that's Brad Bird. And he, again, another great director, right? I know so, Iron Giant, Incredibles, Ratatouille, Mission nobody, Possible 3. Like he has so many hits in a row. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it was early on and he tells some stories about working with the writer. And I think we get busy with, and Scott, we were talking about this before we even started about having five things on your plate. And th mm -hmm. that was a phase of time that obviously Brad did. He had yeah. many things going on at once and, mm -hmm. you know, he may not have wanted to admit it, but maybe, maybe this one just, he didn't give enough attention to at a certain point, maybe kind of early on and kind of got locked into a yeah. script and things that, uh, that he couldn't turn away from at a certain point. I, who knows? But, but you can't fear making everybody. those mistakes because you'll never do anything of significance anyway. So no, yeah. no. And it, I'm, I, I'm happy he did it. <laughs> I am too. I am too. Yeah. And believe me, you know, he learned from it, you know? You oh know yeah, absolutely. Learned. And you never stop learning as a creator. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is awesome. Well, we went over today, but it was, it was well worth it. I, yeah, I really love that train you. of thought and uh, yeah, very insightful answers and, and discussions. So Thanks a ton. Um, you can follow. What is your exact Instagram handle? Oh, it's Tom Bancroft, the number one. Tom Bancroft one. And uh, you know how to follow me. It'll all be down in the show notes if you want to click a link down there. And until next time, I hope that we all get a little wiser. <laughs> you have been watching the Directing Animation Livecast with Scott Weiser. Audio version edited by Kiera Horowitz, copyright Scott Weiser, LLC 2020.